Welcome to the Goldmine Podcast, where I, Sam Stern, turn casual Nuggets fans into diehards. Each week, I'll have the opportunity to interview and talk with local Nuggets reporters and religious fans about their thoughts on the team. Make sure to tune in every week on all podcast platforms and make sure to follow at Nuggets Lead for daily updates and analysis. So I am super excited and super humbled to welcome a longtime Nuggets and NBA reporter right now. He's working for Forbes as a Nuggets and NBA reporter in the past, worked for BSN Denver, which is now known as DNVR for those Nuggets fans who are big fan of that podcast. They do a great job as well as Round Ball Mining Company and more. Super excited to have Joel Rush on with me. Joel, thank you so much for joining me. Calling in from Japan, I know it's late your time and super happy that you decided to come on and, and talk Nuggets hoops on the gold mine. Well, thanks for having me on and the humbled is all mine for sure. Joel, I, I want to start here. You and I were talking about this before the podcast started. We both know that when it comes to Nuggets basketball, it is a pivotal offseason. You talk about Nikola Jokic coming off his second back-to-back MVP award. You have Jamal Murray coming back from injury, Michael Porter Jr. Nuggets coming off a great season without both of those guys, a season where most people thought the Nuggets may not even make it to the playoffs. They not only do that, but they make it to the sixth seed in the West and play who would end up being the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson. Let's just go big picture. What are the moves that the Nuggets need to make this offseason that can push them to that next level, which is championship mode? Well, that is a big question. Um, I, I think it's hard to pinpoint, you know, just one or two moves, especially because we don't know how they're, you know, I, I think draft night will both answer and answer some of those questions and raise new ones um, in terms of what their goals are. But I, I think in broad strokes, the most immediate goal needs to build a contender around Jokic. And you, t- and you talked about that there. Obviously, the Nuggets just traded Jamichael Green in order to go to the Thunder and bring back that 30th pick plus some money that they might be able to use during the offseason. I don't know about you, but when I look at that deal at first, it kind of has me asking questions, not for the sense that they got rid of a guy in Jamichael Green, who obviously has an expiring contract, was kind of looking to fill that Jeremy Grant role when he was first signed, when Grant left. I don't know about you. I never really saw him fully get there especially on the defensive end that's that's where I saw Jeremy Grant make his biggest impact was on the defensive end of the floor so they offload Jermichael Green they bring on that 30th pick I mean do you see a realistic world where they use the 30th pick where they use that 21st pick or do you see them offloading both of those picks and maybe tying it to a Will Barton or maybe tying it to as I've heard lately and as you probably have heard lately a Monte Morris what what do you think the Nuggets are right now in that conversation because as far as timeline goes I just don't see the 21st and the 30th picks fitting the Nuggets timeline yeah I think that at least one of those picks will be packaged in a trade probably with like you said either Will Barton or Monte Morris Um, it's hard to see them you know they, they don't need to prioritize drafting young talent right now although you know they're still wanting to most certainly keep young talent in the pipeline but more along the lines of a bones highland someone who will be able to contribute in his first season you know they're not going to be doing a draft and stash or anything like that they you know the focal point will always be building a contender around Jokic for the next two three 
you know, however many years, but um, no, I, I would be pretty shocked actually if they drafted with both of those picks and didn't trade at least one of them in a package to try to, you know, especially upgrade that shooting guard position in the starting lineup. And, and so. it's really interesting. You brought it up just now bones Highland, because I feel like that is going to be one of the major, major question marks heading into the offseason for the Nuggets. What kind of stock do they have on Bones Highland after the fantastic second-team all-rookie season that he had this past season? You talk about a guy who came out of VCU. Everyone knew he could put the ball in the basket, but I don't think anybody knew that he would come onto a Denver Nuggets team, a proven playoff team over the last few years, and make an immediate impact off the bench. I mean, do you see a realistic world where maybe they – move a guy like Will Barton or Monte Morris so that a guy like Bones Highland can move into the starting lineup or maybe even get a six-man role off the bench at that starting one or two guard position and really start to elevate where he is in the franchise? I would consider it extremely unlikely that he gets moved into the starting lineup unless that would be midway through the season and he's already, you know, he's already earned his stripes as a rookie, but we saw the playoffs as well. And, you know, he did kind of hit a bit of a wall in terms of his effectiveness on the court there. And, uh, you know, kudos to him for even, you know, earning the, like it's Michael Malone and his coaching staff. They do make you earn it. Right. Yeah. Jamal had to earn it. Jokic had to earn it. Everybody has to earn it. And, uh, you know, he basically beat out Faku for the backup point guard position midway through the season. And, that alone was a huge accomplishment considering especially his draft position. So, you know, I, I, it's not to take anything away from him at all to say that he would not be put in a starting position, but I think just Jokic deserves a more veteran, more playoff ready starting lineup. And I think, you know, it's also to some degree unfair to bones to put him, you know, a little bit out of his depth in that position. And, uh, it's probably better for his development to, you know, still keep giving him, he'll still get plenty of minutes and chances, assuming he's still on the team. I'll be on the record right now and saying I am firmly in the uh, do not trade bone silent camp. Um, I am with you on that, Joel. I am with you. I mean, I, I tweeted this maybe last week or something like that, but when was the last time a first year player became such an instant fan favorite? Like, Maybe Kenneth Fareed, maybe Ty Lawson, but I mean, you know, Jamal took a little bit. Like my three, right there. Joker took a little bit to, you know, kind of transition into that after, you know, uh, you know, a rookie year for both of those guys, which didn't completely optimize their talents, you know. So uh, just Bones is electrifying. The fan base loves him, Um, and you know he's. I believe. I believe in his future. Like I think he's going to be a pretty great player. You know, yeah. he'll he'll continue developing into. You know, who knows if he reaches the All Star level or not? But you know, I think he'll be a starter in the league for sure. Um, yeah, and he certainly has that potential. As you just said, a, a guy who can walk in in his rookie year and play as if he's been in the league forever with the confidence he exuberates at all time. And it, it was just. Any, every game I went to, I could feel it as a fan. I could feel the energy he was bringing on the court, and he made it a must-see TV game, no matter who they were playing. I mean, I'll never forget the game against Philly in Philly when he just stepped onto the court in, at the end of the third quarter into the fourth, and I was like, 
this guy has the potential to be a go-to score down the end of the game. He took over with some of the shots he was hitting. So I agree. But as you said, Bones Highland probably not going to be starting this year, but that's also because the Nuggets have a pretty heavy guard rotation right now. I mean, last season alone, you mentioned Compazzo. They had Marcus Howard on the roster as well. I mean, you already have Jamal Murray coming back and Amante. I mean, the guard rotation's full. Isn't it of utmost, utmost importance to get a versatile defensive three and D wing or a big man that can back up Jokic. I feel like those are the two main problems other than that guard rotation. I would agree. And I think it seems clear from Calvin Booth's comments at the uh, draft um, warmups or the draft. Uh, I'm sorry. The, the term for it is escaping me right now, but um, the tryouts of the guys they're yes. bringing in, but yes. um, the, Priorities seem pretty clear that they're going after defense. They're going after a wing. Um, and there's a bunch of, you know, either at 21 or 30, there should be a bunch of guys in, you know, what I would consider the three and D mold or potentially three and D mold of maybe in that six, five or six, six to six, eight height range with good length and some three point shooting ability. Um, if they do draft with pick 21, it's going to be real disappointing if they don't choose a player in that mold, I think, because that needs to be the priority. But it does seem like that is, you know, based on both Malone's comments and Booth's comments, it does seem like that is where they're headed. So, you know, and that could also be through a trade as well. You know, it's hard to predict at this moment because they just have, you know, with the trade of Jermichael Green, they did buy more flexibility. Yes. But that also clouds the future a little bit more because that just multiplies the you know possibility of outcomes there and you mentioned it there if they're going to be picking in the draft luckily for the nuggets it almost seems like when you hit almost after that lottery after pick 14 there's a lot of wings available and of all of all kinds of different variety i mean you talk about abaji from kansas a chance a slight chance he could be there david roddy is a potential guy that i've heard could go first round could go second round but he's a colorado favorite there's so many wing caliber players that if the Nuggets were to keep the picks, there are some there that I feel like could potentially have an impact. But if they were to trade, obviously the mock drafts are going to happen every season, but I've looked at a couple of mock deals that they've had for the Nuggets. And I want to hear what your thoughts are on a couple of them. And a couple that really caught my eye were deals respectively for OG Ananobi of the Raptors and Contavious Caldwell-Pope of the Wizards. Now, obviously, if we're starting with Contavious Caldwell-Pope, a proven champion with the Lakers, gets involved in that Westbrook deal with the Wizards and pretty much kind of went back to Piston days where he's a solid player, but nothing special. Is that a guy that you look at if it were maybe in a package deal with Will Barton and maybe a pick or two, and you get a Contavious Caldwell-Pope back and add him into the Nuggets rotation? Is that a guy that you feel like could make an impact on this team, the exact kind of impact that Jokic could use? I believe so. And I think if you look at his numbers, like pre and post Lakers compared to on the Lakers, I think there's something to the notion that he plays better when he cares. And defense is a lot about caring. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's got to be deflating getting traded from a champion to the Wizards in their current state. Um, and, you know, being stuck on that incarnation of the Pistons that he was on was probably just as demoralizing. So, um, yes. 
you know, he had high motivation to, you know, try and thrive on the Lakers. And also, you know, the expectations upon him were more in proportion with his talents, I think, you know, um, which they would be on the Nuggets as well with him being surrounded by Jamal and MPJ and Jokic and Aaron Gordon. Like, he would be able to primarily focus on defense and channel his energies towards that and hopefully just knock down some threes on the other end and, you know, do a bit of cutting and whatnot as well. But um, primarily they would be seeking him out for his wing defense, which I think is at his best, arguably pretty demonstrably clearly better than Will Barton's at this point in his career. And not to mention a three and D guy. I mean, we've seen him, seen him over the years, especially during that Lakers championship. That was a guy that you count on when LeBron gives you those cross court passes to knock down the three. And I feel like that's something at times that w- when I'm watching the Nuggets, I do like Will Barton at times. Like I, I feel like we have some people that just cannot stand the guy on the court. It's not that I can't stand him, but it's almost been the last couple of years. I just don't feel like he's been able to put it together consistently. And I wrote it in an article last week, and I have a feeling you'd agree with me, but I feel like this past season, when you don't have a Murray, you don't have a Porter Jr. You have every, you don't have really any excuse to not be that second leading score and to be that guy that Jokic could be like, okay, if I'm having an off night and I can't be playing at that MVP impact level, I can count on you to put the ball in your hands and finish the game, take it over. I mean, Barton's shown that ability. And I just didn't see last season in a lot of opportunities, Barton taking it and running with it at that elite level. And I feel like if the Nuggets are going to be anywhere near a championship level, especially with the Grizzlies getting better, the Timberwolves, the Pelicans getting better. I mean, the Western Conference is going to be way better than it was last year with the health that's coming back. I feel like they have to get an upgrade at that position. I definitely agree. Um, Two things I would say about Will Barton regarding what you just said. Um, One is at the beginning of the season, he was kind of the hero of the team, you know, going back to like October and November, he was doing a lot of heavy lifting in terms of, you know, with suddenly Michael Porter Jr. is playing like garbage. And yes, unbeknownst to us, that was actually due to an injury. But, you know, those first nine games, he was very much struggling and Will did take up some of the slack there. And, you know, and to his credit, I think he just isn't that guy. You know, I mean, he shouldn't be expected to be that guy. He's supposed to be the fifth guy or the fourth guy on a team with Jokic, MPJ, and Murray, you know. So uh, he was placed out of his depths, as was Aaron Gordon, you know, I think. And we saw both of those guys get kind of, as uh, Bilbo Baggins said, you know, stretched thin like too much butter over toast (laughs) towards the end of the season there, right? Like, um, I think they just got pushed beyond their limits and you know their their natural limitations for what they should be playing positionally and with respect to the other starters on the lineup so um I, th- I think you know the fan criticism of him is way disproportional to how much he's done for the team and how you know how much of a trooper he's been for the nuggets but um I do think it is time to move on and that position does need to be upgraded at the same time you know I I wish he didn't get dumped on as much as he did you know he he has problems with inconsistency, but like what guys in his expected role and pay grade don't, I mean, that's probably more common than not to have some inconsistency issues. And 
if he was not like disproportionately burdened with carrying a heavier heavier load than he should have been expected to had the team been healthy then those issues would not have been magnified so greatly but And, and you're right. He's the longest tenured nugget and had such a, a large impact. And I mean, let's be real. I, I can name about five teams or more off the top of my head right now that I could tell you could use Will Barton at $14 million and that could really make an impact on their teams. There's so many teams right now that could use a guy either in your starting lineup or on the bench that is just an automatic bucket getter. I mean, that, that's just what Barton has done throughout his career is the main thing he can do is if you get the ball in his hands, he has the ability to put up 30. He, he's shown that he can do that. And I feel like there's going to be a lot of teams potentially that could be calling the Nuggets saying, hey, for $14 million, valuing scoring with Will Barton, I could see a team going out and being like, give me that 21st pick or 30th pick with a Barton. I can maybe get you a guy that could make an impact. But that leads me to that next guy, OG, that I want to ask you about. I feel like if there's any person available on the market this offseason that screams Nuggets basketball, it's OG Ananobi. And obviously, the Raptors have a stacked forward list right now. You talk about Siakam playing at an unbelievable level to end the end of the season in 21-22. You have Scotty Barnes, Rookie of the Year, who played unbelievable and showed that he could be a point guard in this league potentially with his ability to handle at 6'9 and, dr- and dribble at a pretty high level and pass. And then Fred Van Vliet, I know he's not a forward, but he's getting paid about $17 million a year as well. I feel like knowing Masai and how aggressive he tends to be, it would shock me to not see one of the Raptors traded this offseason because it's going to be so expensive and the big question to me is, is that really a sustainable roster that you look at, even with some rookies on it, that could push it to a really deep playoff run? And I could see OG being the odd man out. And I mean, his stats don't prove me wrong. 17 points per game this past season, career high, five rebounds, nearly three assists, nearly two steals, shooting 36% from three. I'm just reading those stats out. That sounds like the prototypical Nuggets guy to me. Absolutely. Um the concern there is the cost, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and also the fact that the trading partner would be Masai Ujiri um, <laughs> because he, uh, you know, tends to get the, you know, upper hand on those situations. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I think, for example, that might be the one that would require a Bones Highland in the package. You know, and, so and, like, would, and would that would that kind of deal would that be one something you look at for Messiah saying <clears throat> I'd consider an OG and an OB if we could talk about a Bones Highland and maybe a pick or two or maybe even throwing in a, a Barton is that even something you look at? Oh, you got to look at it, um, and I think you know it's that caliber of player that's the only time you even start considering trading Bones is like okay, this will be such a significant upgrade to the starting lineup that we can't look the other way on this. You know, we got to at least have the conversation. Um, But, you know, I'm very skeptical that that will actually happen. Um, I mean, that's a super big swing and that would take a pretty massive trade package, I think. And uh, like you mentioned, the salary, like 17 million, I guess if you put bones and will together, maybe a couple picks that gets you there, but um, you know, you're shipping out a lot of value there and leaving a lot of holes in the roster. Um, 
even though you're upgrading significantly at one position, yeah, you know, you're kind of depleting the bench there. Um, and I think you couldn't trade Monte Morris if you did that. You know, you you need to leave at least one of Bones or Monte Morris. Yeah, there it would to be a major depth hit. Yeah, you know, the point guard position on the bench. So, um, but you know, I think upgrades, you know, it, through trades will likely require some pain. You know, trading Monte that's some pain. Yeah, uh, nobody wants to see him go for sure from the organization. But you know, he's just one of the more probably attractive trade targets for other teams and you just have to factor that into the calculus but yeah it's you know it's I I don't envy Calvin Booth's position right now because um, you know the variables that he's facing and the pressure to you know last year Jamal's out MPJ is out pretty much get a free punt on the season yeah year before that Jamal goes down Will goes down you know like all that horrible injury luck at the end of the previous season pretty much get a free punt on that too, yeah. despite having a solid season up until that point, um, more than solid, a great season up until that point. Um, and, you know, capped off by the Aaron Gordon trade, but we've reached like no excuses time now. Like this is the time when they are expected to be full on championship contenders and got to take that as your number one priority and you got to do what it like it's not only you should do what it takes like it's booth's responsibility like his obligation to you know that's what he's there for to win the championship and if the cost of that is trading bones then i guess you got to do it but you know on the other hand if the nuggets are offering say will barton bones island one or both of this year's firsts and maybe even that 2029 first what are other teams going to be offering for og like are the nuggets i I feel like they still might get drew holiday in that situation like they did by the bucks yeah um and you know there's other teams with slightly deeper uh war chests that they can dig into to you know probably outbid the nuggets for an og and an ob anyways so i think you were talking about KCP. I think he's probably a more realistic trade target. I mean, Joel, it, it, is it more realistic to say that the Nuggets would go after maybe more of a mid-level player instead of an OG guy who, I mean, is he's not a max player by any means, but he's close. He's closer to KCP in that sense. Obviously, I've, I've, I've heard Brogdon's name mentioned every once in a while. I've heard Josh Hart a little bit as well because he's kind of in a weird predicament down there in, in Portland. I mean, there's there's a mix of different players, and I just I can't tell whether Calvin Booth is going to aggressively go for maybe one of those bigger market players that could come in and make a giant impact, or maybe a couple small free agent moves here and there that could help off the bench, like role guys. It's really hard for me to tell right now what exactly Denver thinks is going to push them over the edge, because in my eyes, I, I feel like it needs to be obviously somebody that can play elite level defense that's that's what i'm looking at the most but that can also stretch the floor and i feel like that's what we're so desperately needing yeah i totally agree um although you know does it need to be an og ananobi caliber player i mean of course that's ideal yeah but if you have like a josh hart who i think we could probably place you know 
one tier below OG there. I agree. Um, that could be well sufficient and also leave you the flexibility to have better bench depth, which is another thing that's going to be key because you don't want to overplay MPJ's minutes. You want to <laughs> do everything you possibly can to preserve his health. You probably want to cut back on Jokic's minutes a little bit and, uh, you know, keep him fresh through to the end of the season. As much as he says he doesn't get tired, I think he is a human being. <laughs> D- despite his superhuman qualities, he does get tired as well. Um, you wouldn't be able to tell with the way he plays every season. It's unbelievable. It's phenomenal. It's mystifying to me, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and same with Jamal. You don't, you know, he's coming back from a rough injury too. So you don't want to overplay him. So you need, you know, not only for the playoffs, you know, where bench depth, as we saw that with the Warriors, right? Like you get a Jordan Poole coming in. He's, you know, a big part of some of those big third quarters that won them some games, right? Like, uh, and that could be Bones Highland by the end of next season. Um, but you also just need the, you know, like the uh, Gary Paytons as well, like the kind of glue guys off the bench who tie yeah. things together and bring some defense, like bench defense was pretty sorely lacking. Um, you know, shout out to Austin Rivers for, you know, I, I, exceeding my expectations. For I didn't sure realize he, he could be that game. elite of a defender at that guard position. I, I'd, I'd consider his defense elite this past season. I mean, he was guarding the pretty much the best player on the other team other than Aaron Gordon. I mean, Aaron Gordon and Austin Rivers, I felt like we're kind of splitting the defensive jobs. And I thought they both did a pretty admirable job considering that neither of them are per se all NBA defensive guys. I mean, Aaron Gordon is in my eyes, but he's just never gotten that recognition officially. Yeah. And I think it's hard to get that recognition when you're hovering around the, you know, 10 to 15 range in the league rankings, right? Like uh, exactly. Basically you're going to get that recognition if you're in a top five defense, but they're not likely to spotlight you if you're down in that mid range. But um, yeah, you know, I think uh, Austin Rivers is a free agent. I would expect Denver to try to bring him back. And, you know, I think if say, for example, Monte Morris gets traded and you have a bones Austin regular bench backcourt, that's a pretty good like starting in terms of building blocks to reconstruct the bench, those are two good blocks to start with, I think, you know, and Austin can probably be brought back for a pretty reasonable salary, but the, you know, like then you got like Faco and oh, Davon Reed. I think he's restricted. He'll be brought back, you know, I, so we could be looking at like bones, Austin, Davon. And, the and, one, and, two, I, three and positions I love off the bench. And, and that, I love Devon. I mean, I thought Davon as a, as a kind of middle of the season, pick up for the nuggets off of the G league side. I loved his impact and not just defensively. I, I knew that that's kind of his calling card, but how about his three point shooting? I mean, he, yeah, came he was knocking down. And made a uh, big impact shooting wise. And he's kind of a guy who like, doesn't have many weaknesses, right? You know, say in contrast to Will Barton, where you're, you know, like <laughs> I, I said, people bash on him too much and now I'm going to get into it, but uh you know, there are a lot of moments with Will Barton where you're like, oh, man, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> and you don't you just don't see that with Davon Reed very much. You know, he's except for that running on the court thing. But uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, like that, that wasn't even a basketball play. That was just uh, getting <laughs> yeah. too excited. Play, yes. But, um, 
but you know overall on the court <laughs> in game action he's pretty minimal on the mistake front so you can kind of that raises the floor of his reliability i would say um so then you got zeke at the four presumably and like you said a reliable backup center to Jokic is you know basically the missing piece there at that point but you know if you trade for an og does masai demand bones and zeke I'd, then I'd you're poking big holes they, in your I'd have bench. to imagine they do so that they could use those assets to go out and get a big for themselves because let's not forget that's what the Raptors are needing as well they need key bench guys they didn't have a bench this off this past year I mean absolutely nobody on their bench I think Delano Banton and Precious Achua were the two guys off their bench that's not going to get it done so they obviously need obviously need a guy as well so if you could get a package back with a Bones Highland, you have him as a trade asset or you have him as a guy that could completely upgrade Toronto's bench. And so I think that's an interesting thing to think about if you're the Nuggets and the Raptors, because I feel like the Nuggets have the necessary assets where you look at the deal and go, okay, I still think that's a fair deal for both sides in, in words of what they're trying to do. But you brought up defensive presence. I love Gary Payton the second's name. He's going to get paid this summer, as he should. But another guy that I just thought of, I was talking to a friend about it, and I actually think he could be a great fit and obviously just declined his option with the Bucks. P.J. Tucker. Was that about around a 7 to $8 million contract this past season with the Bucks? I think that both of those guys could fit in on any single team and make them a playoff championship caliber level team. Is maybe that the kind of player that would change Denver, especially if, even if it was just a role guy like a Peyton or a Tucker that could play a few minutes every night, but just change the complexity of the game? I would be far more inclined um, or optimistic about that prospect if it was Peyton rather than P.J. Tucker. And would that and, and that's, that's not a knock on P.J. Tucker. I think that's just more of a fit thing. Like, okay. you know, um, with Zeke already there, do you play a Zeke PJ four or five? Possibly, you know, that, that could work in a small Defensively, that's scary. But still, I think, you know, like there's also the possibility and maybe I'm wrong, but you know, PJ Tucker could decline a little bit, you know, he's getting up there in years. So like we saw what happened with the Lakers last season, right? Yeah. Like when you start kind of over investing in aging veterans, you might not get very big return collectively on all of them. Like you might have a mellow who, you know, kind of exceeds expectations in certain ways, but you might also have, I hate to say it, but Jermichael Green did, you know, if you compare his first season to his second season with Denver, the second one really was a struggle. And, you know, part of that was him playing out of position at the five for much of it until they got to Marcus Cousins. And he did play much better when he could move back to the four and play alongside him. But, you know, everything needs to align with the singular goal of winning a championship. And I think PJ Tucker is that guy on paper. I'm just not sure if he's that guy with the nuggets, you know, as much as like, I mean, what's killed the nuggets continually is just getting beat off the bounce, you know, like blow buys as Malone would say again and again and like they just can't contain on the perimeter and Peyton would help much more than Tucker over on that front I think um you know where I think 
maybe they just need more guard and wing defense, you know, cause you already got Aaron Gordon, right? Like he can kind of hold the fort in the front court in a way that, you know, he can't quite be both on the front court and at the perimeter to do everything by himself, which he was kind of left to do last season with Barton. Even when Monte was, Monte's not a bad defender, but he's just kind of overmatched in a lot of, against a lot of those starters, I think. Um, yes. So, you know, I think Gordon really had to stretch his uh, kind of defensive capabilities in a way that, you know, again, kind of wasn't fair to him. You know, once you have Jamal back, I think he has grown into a solid enough defender that if you got one tight defender at the two and Aaron Gordon at the four, and Jokic is a capable defender now, and Jamal is as well. MPJ, more of a he's question mark, but there. at least he's, he's rebounding. Exactly. And he's, he's uh, you know, and I think he's a little more of a disruptive force on defense than he may get credit for. Um, although he's not, you know, like an on-ball stopper by any means. But, you know, I think if you got the two and the four there with solid defensive anchors and Gordon and player X, um, then the Nuggets are in pretty good shape. Joel, I, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm thinking back to, to I think it was 2020, 21, uh, it was 2021. I remember watching the game against the Clippers. I think it was about three or four games after the Gordon deal. Nuggets had won all of those games after the, since the, since the first game Gordon played, which was against the Hawks at home, that Nuggets team was looking absolutely I thought they were going to win that year. I mean, with the way they were playing and I saw the way that they came into LA and dismantled Kawhi, Paul George, Reggie Jackson, and this Clippers team. And I'm looking and I'm going, they are loaded. Like the nuggets have it at every position. And you said it earlier in the podcast, Gordon and Barton were asked to do things that when Gordon was traded to Denver, that was never the intention. When Barton was coming in Denver, the intention was never for him to become the one or two option. The intention was him to, as you said, be the third or fourth option on a team and do it at a high level and be that guy that at times could go off for a high number. And for Gordon, he was supposed to be a high level role player that could play elite defense on the, on the other team's best player. And that could also get buckets. I think that's why I'm so excited about this next season because now you have Murray, you have Porter Jr., and it gives so much freedom back to a guy like Gord that he doesn't have to worry about being that guy, that he can just fill in his role, play defense, get those wide-open cutting reverse dunks when Jokic finds him cutting through the middle with that thread-the-needle pass that he loves to give him. I mean, that's the Gordon that I want to see, and I'm just super excited to see what the Nuggets can do with him, but I guess I want to wrap it up with this question to you. We've talked about Calvin Booth a little bit. Obviously, Tim Connolly leaving, I, I feel like Denver fans in general were kind of up in arms and just kind of really confused by it. And I saw it coming because you and I both know Tim Connolly is the best executive in the NBA with the moves that he's made over the last couple of years. He's unbelievable. You knew he was going to get that kind of contract. In your eyes, from what you've seen and what you've heard from Calvin Booth so far this offseason, is he the guy that's going to get this Nuggets team to that next level? Well, I believe we can have a high degree of confidence in him. For one thing, Tim Connolly had a high degree of confidence in him. So, you know, if we trust Tim Connolly, then <laughs> by extension, we should trust him. Um, but, you know, it's hard to evaluate or judge him on words, right? Like the proof will be in the pudding. We'll see what actually happens on draft night. 
I would say his one big move so far trading Jermichael Green is a great first step. Um, you mentioned before that Jermichael Green was ostensibly the replacement for Jeremy Grant, but I would say, in fact, that replacement didn't come until the Aaron Gordon trade. I agree. At which time, then you have kind of a duplicity of the, I mean, the following season, but Jeff Green and Jermichael Green, where you kind of don't need both veteran forward guys backing up Aaron Gordon, right? Like there was some redundancy in the roster there and, you know, trading that redundancy for, and I don't mean to reduce to Michael Green to call him a redundancy, but, you know, the situational redundancy of that situation, trading that for flexibility going into the draft where they will have more options, you know, they'll be able, they, they would not have been able to trade one of their first, this year's first round tr- pick if they hadn't gotten a second one um because of the step in step in rule as i understand it so uh basically that frees up the possibility of you know doing more potential trades and that's you know the more options you have going into draft night the better and so and you know that clears some cap space too so using that trade exception you could add back onto the salary but um you could also, you know, say if there's a trade where you send out Will Barton and you acquire OG Ananobi, I mean, <laughs> it, it would take more than that. But, you know, if yeah. you bring someone back who's going to be three million more expensive than the guy you sent out, then that's going to be a pretty big luxury tax penalty on that, you know, extra money that by not having Jermichael Green's salary on the books will ease the pain of that, you know, and also, you know, allow the team to still use like the taxpayer MLE or things along those lines. So, you know, I think so far he's saying the right things and he's done the one thing he has done has been a good thing. So I'm optimistic and I've heard some people talk about, you know, Tim's guys and, you know, the reluctance of Connolly to trade his guys, um, and, you know, we've seen him reward his guys with salaries that, you know, around the league, many people thought might have been overpays. And, and, you know, there's merits to that in terms of cultivating loyalty and, as George Carl might say, teamness, <laughs> yeah. you know. But um, on the other hand, it might be time to be a little more, I don't want to say cutthroat, because, you know, I don't think there's any animosity in yeah. But any aggressive. of these decisions, but, but, but you know, aggressive would be the word, right? I mean, it, now to, 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 ex- to be aggressive, to be aggressive. And like I said, you know, to before, like there's going to be more pain in these decisions this time around. And I think we may see that Calvin Booth might be willing, more willing than Tim Connolly to accept that pain. If it means actually, you know, moving the team steps closer to becoming a real title contender. So, but you know, we will learn very soon what he's actually going to do because I'm excited for draft night here. And uh, that will be very revelatory about, you know, the kind of GM that he's going to be. Yeah. And, now and that you, he's in the chair. Yeah. And you said an NBA draft is, is this Thursday, obviously. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm predicting that I think it could be a frenzy uh, with, with all the different rumors that I'm hearing. It just seems like there's a lot of teams that are calling each other wanting to do pick swaps, player swaps, 
you're just kind of hearing all kinds of stuff. And when that tends to happen, I feel like the chances of there being moves either before, during, or after the draft uh, are, are very uh, for certain. And I could see the Nuggets doing it. But just to go back to what you said at the beginning of the podcast, so are, is your prediction that the Nuggets get rid of at least one of those picks in a deal? Yeah, I would be extremely shocked if by the end of the night they had drafted with both the 21 and the 30 and did not package one of those in some kind of a trade in order to try to upgrade. You know, say you package the 30 with a Jeff Green. So you're looking at like a 4.5, 5 million-ish salary. But, you know, then you get a backup to Jokic for the next three years who we, you know, don't need to kind of wring our hands about the DeMarcus Cousins situation anymore or, you know, which, which was very good for what it was, but that's not Denver's long-term solution. And you got to have someone, I think, who can be a little more flexible positionally and, you know, be a little more versatile in that backup center position. And so, you know, there's just so many possible ways that, you know, they could go and that those picks could be used that I have a hard time seeing that they don't capitalize on one of those ways. And if I'm every other team in the NBA, not just the Western Conference, but the Eastern Conference, I'm scared of Denver next year. And I'm scared of almost the unknown of what this team could be next year. I, I feel fairly confident, though, if Murray and Porter Jr. are anywhere close to fully healthy, Denver's right back up there in the upper echelon of the NBA. And I'm looking forward to see it, Joel. Me too. Um, Joel, I really appreciate you joining me on uh, the Goldmine podcast. It's been awesome talking to you and picking your brain about basketball. And I really appreciate you having you on. I likewise appreciate you having me on. And let me just say, cause I understand you are starting to kick off this podcast. So best of luck to you. I hope it goes great and hope you have many, many more episodes to come. I really appreciate it. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to the Goldmine Podcast. Make sure to follow us at Nuggets Lead and The Lead, where casual Nuggets fans become diehard. For Sam Stern, thank you so much for tuning in.